0: So we've arrived. The next time you and I talk will be after States and the season will be essentially over for the bulk of our audience. Well, maybe, maybe kinda mostly kind of, though. Yeah. That's Th- this kind of marks the end of the race season. It does. I with mean, an asterisk, but yeah, for the most
1: part. Yeah. Things definitely change after that. That's when they focus more on just being a better athlete in general. But Specifically, bike racing will be over for most people at that point.
0: Which kind of puts us in a tricky position because there's not a whole lot that you can do between now and Saturday to really like move the needle or, or is there? <laughs> Dan and I collaborated a little bit on this one. So um, yeah, I mean like you're not going to go from last place to first place but there's a, there, there
1: are things that you can still do To move the needle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, generally they they usually say that there's more things you can do to ruin your race the week before the race than there are things you can do to improve it. But I think there's things that we can do to improve it, so it'll be fun to talk about.
0: Okay. Also, we're going to try a fun new game. I'm going to uh, give Dan a quiz, hopefully every week, because I like mocking Dan and making fun of him. Um, If you'd like, I give you permission to quiz me back. Um, Dan's knowledge is fairly strong in the world of cross-country mountain biking, so I'm trying to bring questions from outside of that, but th- that are questions that I think you should know if you're a if you're a cycling fan. Um, so we'll do that. Talk a little bit about uh, last-minute prep for states. Uh, anything, I'll make fun of Dan. And well, you know, you guys know the drill. All the classics. Anyway, we'll get into it. As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself, what do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. And as always, if you folks have, you know, seven or eight figures worth of investable wealth, um, these are the guys that you want in your corner. These are honest, ethical professionals who can help you at every step along the way. Uh, They're the allies that you need on your side. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. And one last thing before we jump in, I do want to let people know that there is a fantastic charity here in Utah called Free Bikes for Kids. Uh, They're located on 2250 South Main Street. Uh, they help provide um, uh, bikes to kids who might not be able to get them otherwise. They need help doing uh, repairs. They basically take donated bikes, repair them, and then help distribute them. Um, if you have any availability, and especially over these next two weeks while you'll be taking a break, uh, they are looking for help on Tuesdays and Thursdays from about 530 to 730. If that's something that would interest you or if you're a coach and want to set up a time for your team to come, uh, get in touch with us and we can uh, put you in touch with the right people. Alrighty, Dan. I have I have three questions this week. I think that's a, that's a good number. Um, I'm going to give you one shot. I'm going to. I'm sitting here. You can't look it up on your on your iPad. You can't. No cheating. Um, and again, these are questions that I think you should be able to answer. Fair enough. Sounds good. Okay. First question, Dan. Who won the most recent Tour de France?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Tade Pogacar or whatever. <laughs> Honestly, I really... I, um, I should know this. You should know this. <laughs>
0: you should really know this. Come on. Uh, Remco.
1: <laughs> Those are cyclists. I know that.
0: The question wasn't name the two most <laughs> important cyclists of the past 10 years. It was name who won the last sort of Friends. Which, which was not Tade Pogacar or Remco Evenepoel. Tadeo was a better guess because he has won two tours recently, but he was, he was beat this year by, can you tell me? I can tell you a lot of people that it was, and I know it wasn't Vanderpool. Okay. So Matthew <laughs> Vanderpool did not win the Tour de France. Correct. <laughs>
1: okay. I know.
0: Do you want a gold star for that or what? No.
1: Could you tell me what, t- what okay, team, what team he's on, what country I sh- he's from? I sh- Cause I knew you were going to ask me questions and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to research because I don't want to. I should know this, and I'm really embarrassed that I don't. You can't even tell me what country he's from, what team. He's probably from Belgium. No, he was not from Belgium. Um, Italy.
0: First win for this country since the 80s. As if that's going to help you.
1: Brazil. (laughs) I don't know. You think a Brazilian (laughs) won the tour in the 80s? I don't know. Could stranger things have happened? I don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just Jonas Vingegaard from Jumbo Visma. You should know I've that. heard
1: of Jumbo Visma, but that name doesn't even sound familiar.
0: Jonas Vingegaard, that doesn't mean doesn't anything Doesn't even to ring new. a bell. Doesn't even ring a bell.
1: Okay. So he won the Tour de France? Yes, correct, Dan. He did okay. win the Tour de well, France. Well, this is news okay. to
0: us. Good. News to us? No, this is news to you. <laughs> okay. You and very few other people, I think. Um, okay. okay. Number two, this will be your cross-country related question. Okay. Should be able to get this. What brand of bike... Did, well, actually, there's two parts. Tell me who
1: Julian Absalon was and tell me what brand of bike he rode. Oh, I know this. Okay. Okay. So Julian Absalon is the only one that's won more World Cups than Nino. So you you out of the gates, you're wrong. Nino, Nino beat the record. Did he really? He he did. I'm
0: 90% sure he did. When? Like today? No, like recently. Hang on. Let me check. No, I don't think he's beat no, the record I'm yet. No, I'm almost positive he has. Hang on. I'm Googling this. Okay. Well, I was, I'm super close. And he rides a BMC. Okay. All right. Okay. I didn't think you'd get the bike one, but let's see um
1: hang on I really hope I'm right on this he's
0: googling it as we speak I am googling it because I'm almost positive I'm right um most race wins he's still googling it I'm still googling it to make sure world championships hang on hang on just a second we're gonna cut this here and I'll jump back in in a second all right, we're back. They're tied. They're tied. So I'm... But Nino won Worlds. So I was thinking, I confused. I forgot that Nino won Worlds, not a World Cup. So they're tied. Fair enough. And you got the background brand right. Okay, well, I'll, I'll embarrass you on this next one. Name two monuments. Can you tell me what the monuments are? Let's right, start so there. So like Washington and... Can I insert a laugh track? <laughs>
1: Like, like friends? A rim shot. Yeah. A rim shot. There we go. Okay. Okay. No, the monuments? Oh. Okay, I know that's a type of bike race. What type of bike race? Let's start there.
0: A professional bike race. <laughs> so they're not Nika. <laughs> Glad um, we cleared that up. The Giro. No. Incorrect. What is a monument, Dan? Um, Perry roubaix Good. That is one of them. That is one of them. That is one of them. There okay. are four more. Can you name four one more? other? Wow. Yeah, there are five monuments. Um
1: tour of flanders
0: you actually got it did i really yeah, you, that is actually one you you usually don't say the tour of flanders you say that you say the flemish name but what's um, the flemish name the ronde von vlandrin
1: flemish is like a really gross word it's Flemish <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not
0: Flem. it's flemish you know it's like it's close to Flemish. it's Flem but... after you've had a glass of water i don't <laughs> know. let's just insult a whole culture um, um to start off, any, for, for any, all our Flemish, all of our Flemish <laughs> listeners, I apologize. It's funny that this is a cycling podcast, and we're like, "Oh, we assume we don't have any Flemish listeners." Like, I am um, pretty sure we don't. I well, hey, if all Flemish listeners sound out in the comments, so I didn't do as terrible as
1: I thought I was going to do. You know, you really didn't. I mean, the tour that was embarrassing. That was the first one well, was embarrassing. So but. I don't even know, like. Like the Super Bowl. I don't ever know who's playing in the Super Bowl. I have no idea who won the Super Bowl. I couldn't tell you either. I know I the Patriots you... have won it a bunch of times. But how that's...
0: many how many NFL football teams do you think we could name? Like let's do this. So the Patriots? The Broncos? The Broncos. The Green Bay Packers. There's,
1: are are, are there's this, the Browns? The Browns.
0: Are the Saints a college football team or is no, that another one? I think team? they're
1: I think they're yeah, they have like the Florida Lee as their symbol. Wow, you're so un- overwhelmingly cultured. It's cool. Um, oh, the
0: Seattle. Did we say the Broncos? The Seahawks? We said the Seattle, yeah, okay, the Seahawks. What's 49ers?
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Broncos, I think I've said them like three so times. So that's the
0: third time we've said Broncos. <laughs> we're from okay, so. we're from Utah. That's our home team. Um, oh, Raiders. Raiders. The Raiders. Oh, okay. okay. Anyhow. Actually, okay. we did pretty good at that. Okay. I, we did better than I thought. Don't ask me to name. I, I know two baseball teams. I could name a bunch of NBA teams, though.
1: NBA is fun. We'll save that for another What We're going to be starved the, for content in, the in the a few winter, months. Yeah. Know. We'll just
0: do like a whole like non That'd be fun. Like a, a podcast where we're not allowed to talk about cycling and just see if you and I have any relationship beyond this sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did better than I thought that. That was, um, yeah. I, I thought, the, can you tell me what the monuments are, though? Like why those races are important?
1: Um, because a lot of really good cyclists show up to them, and there's a- so again, you're just describing a professional bicycle race. <laughs> I have no. Idea. Uh,
0: no, so those for those of you who are listening as a review, the monuments are the five most important one-day races, with the exception of the World championship So the big, the big three categories in road cycling are your Grand Tours, which are the Tour, the Giro, and the Vuelta, the five monuments, which for for the record are Paris-Roubaix, Ronde van Vlaanderen. Y Lombardia, uh Liege on and Milan Remo. and then you have the World Championships. Those are the big ones. Um, but yeah, not not bad for your first quiz. I'll, I'll come back next week. We'll have some fun some fun questions to embarrass you on. Um, I don't know if I should tell you to study or not to study. No, I won't study. You won't of, study. Yeah. We'll just see where your knowledge is now. Okay, cool. So um, main segment. Uh, how much How much can be done? Well, I guess start there.
1: How much can be done between oh, now? And- first. I, I had a question that I get asked a lot that I wanted to address really quick yes um, so I know in, in previous podcasts and I, I think I've preached this all the time it's super 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 important to take a big hard break after your race season is over um and we'll even talk about some of the reasons for that during this podcast. But we have the, a race after the NICA season, the 24 hours of frog hollow that a lot of kids want to do. And I had, I've had a couple riders writers ask me if, if I think that's okay. And, and I say, I say yes, you know, especially if you've taken, you know, if you planned your season out where you took a break during the middle of the season, um, you can you can use some of that fitness you've got to do one more race. I still would take obviously take some time off after state championships, uh, just a little bit, and then I would just do the race for fun. Um, you probably won't be your best, but but then after that, I you know just make sure you take a break before you begin doing any meaningful training again. But yeah, if you want to throw in a fun race while you've still got some great form. I say go for it. It's, it's mostly just for fun. I don't think anyone takes it super seriously, but absolutely. But just make sure you, you do take a good hard break before you pick up with any other kind of uh, purposeful training. So,
0: so I, I am curious, like if, if there's somebody listening to this who for whatever reason didn't train as much as they wanted to this season, who, who did the races, but didn't do a whole lot of training in between, like is that break critical for everybody who's done five Nike races
1: or just for the kids who have really been... Those people will take a break anyway. They'll take their entire winter off. And so, yeah, that break's not critical. That break's really only critical for those that plan on doing serious winter training. I mean, most of the kids take the whole winter off anyway and pretty much lose all their fitness and kind of start over. What percent of kids at a Nike race do you think do winter training? Um... I, I'd say that do it pretty structured and, and regular. I'd say it's pretty small. It's getting bigger, I think. So like 10%. It's like ten percent, maybe. Yeah, yeah, about yeah, that. I don't know. about ten percent. I think most people just downhill ski and
0: hey, and you know and, what?
1: You know, like depends. That's fine.
0: On, it, that it depends on what you want this sport to be in your life, right? Yeah, I don't think it needs to be everything. But if you want it to be everything, you should take a break and then do some serious winter training. But
1: yeah, but yeah, I'll go back and listen to our winter training
0: podcast. Fair enough. We'll proper on podcast. But so I am curious, how much? can be done between now and next Saturday.
1: Okay. And that that's the topic of
0: today's podcast. Is I know. I was lining you up cleanly so you didn't have to say, the topic of today's podcast. I don't know why you turn into Kermit the Frog when you sound stupid. <laughs> but
1: so, so, yeah. So, we, we all kind of know that you're really not going to actually gain any meaningful fitness between now and Saturday, right? Right. You know, fitness takes a little bit of time to... To layer on. And, 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 and most people, you know, there's common saying that usually there's more you can do that's going to ruin your race the week before a race than then things you can do to improve it. But there actually are some things that you can do to help ensure that you're going to have a good quality race. And we're going to talk about some of those things. And, and this will kind of be a little bit of a review from our, our peaking podcast, which we did not long ago. Um, We'll go over some of those things quickly, but then there's, there's certain aspects I want to focus on a little more closely. But, um, so you never really answered my question. Like how much
0: is there that we can do? Um, for the rider who's finished fifth place at every single race, can you be third? Oh Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So there are things that you can do that can make a a fairly considerable difference then, you know, because the Nike season is so long that there, that some people can like maintain peak fitness for longer than others. And a lot of people probably are kind of going over the other side of the hill. Some people haven't reached the top of the hill yet. You know, someone, it it, it can really depend there. There's somebody that might've just blown past you last week or, yeah. Last week that, you know, that might've been their peak and you know, in, anything can happen. Lots can happen. Lots can change. Um, okay. Another question to derail us here, but I am curious, like
0: if you are that athlete who's gone over the other side of the hill and you've been able to tell the past few weeks, like, okay, I'm, my fitness is not on the up and up. We're, we're, we're falling down a little bit.
1: What do you do in that situation? So if you, if you think you've already peaked, Usually, just tapering, like repeating tapering protocol, once you think you've already peaked, is usually a pretty good way to handle that situation. Um, which you're basically just kind of cutting back your volume but maintaining your intensity to kind of keep that that race fitness there. Um, you know, that's something you could you can do for a few weeks and, and be okay. One one thing that um, I've heard is that once you're kind of in a little bit of an overtrained state you can still have really good performances during that time but you can also have some you can feel lousy sometimes but you can you can still have really good performances even if you've maybe overtrained a little bit
0: okay and i guess the opposite question now if you feel like you're starting to peak now for if there's somebody listening who's who's kind of botched it and they feel like they're on the up and up right now can you rush yourself to a peak by next Saturday or is that
1: not really how it works? Well, um, so in our peaking podcast, we kind of, there, there's a distinction between reaching peak fitness, which is just something that happens, you know, if you've planned out your season well and you've, you've put in the work, you've got a good base and then you start doing race intensity workouts, you know, a certain amount of time ahead of your a race. then hopefully you get to a point where, you know, you've reached the maximum amount of that type of fitness you can. And hopefully that happens around state championships. If, if things work out right, they don't always work. In fact, they rarely work out perfectly, but at least you try for it. Um, You know, if, if not, there's the tapering side, which is basically just, you know, getting rid of some fatigue, freshening you up. So you can perform your best on that day, and if you can combine those two, it's going to be an awesome day. But um, yeah, so there, there are definitely some things. This it's an important week. Okay, so so what
0: like, layout for me? Um, pretend I'm still racing Nika. Um, what are you telling me to do this week? To like, what are what are the kind of bullet points for like how we're going to maximize performance? What, how, what can we do to move the needle before next Saturday?
1: OK, so there's five things I'm going to talk about today, but the, some of them I'm just going to go over super quickly, just in a okay. sentence or two. So the first one is is increasing your sleep. OK. Yeah, that's such an easy thing to do. Just try and get an extra hour of sleep. Get good quality sleep. Um, that's can, you, the, can you overdo it on sleep? You definitely can. OK, yeah. so don't try to sleep all week. Don't get like 11 hours, but get try to get about nine.
0: Make sure you're getting eight or nine hours of sleep. So yeah. like tell your buddies you can't hang out this week give them all next week. Right. You know, I mean, probably not ideal for recovery, but you get the point. Yeah. You know. So well, that's the lot. first one. Okay. That's Fair easy. Easy. easy.
1: Okay. The next one, and this is just a reminder for a review from our peaking and tapering podcast, but reducing volume, you know, there's really, you're really not going to get any benefit from a five hour ride right now. Um, no, reducing volumes kind of relative. I mean, there's like a tour de France rider They could do a four hour ride and that might be reducing their volume. But for most of us that are used to typically doing like two hour endurance rides, um, your rides really should just be about an hour now. You know, you don't really want, you know how like there's a certain point on an endurance ride where you kind of hit the wall and and it starts to, you know, you're not feeling great anymore. You kind of get tired. You don't want to. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half into most of my endurance rides. (laughs) That's that's yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want to get to that point this week. Okay, fair enough. You know, you want to do so, You know, you you, know, you want to keep doing your endurance paced rides just to keep those systems going. But you don't you don't want to wear yourself out doing them. So, so like sub two hours this week. Well, the general rule is just cut those in half. Okay. Yeah, if you're doing two hour rides normally, this week do one hour rides. Pretty easy. Okay. But I would keep the intensity about the same. You know, okay. keep them, keep them zone two, keep them easy, but, um, but keep them shorter. Okay. If, if, but as a side note, if, if you're feeling really trashed right now and you need recovery, I would do a recovery day instead of an endurance. Right. Okay. So makes but, enough sense. Okay. So that was the second one. The third one, I think this is one thing that you can do this week that would make a huge difference. Um, I, I almost wish I could spend a whole podcast talking about this one because it's so important and we probably will later but just replenishing your glycogen stores Um, you know when you're training hard and frequently it's it's hard to really keep your glycogen stores topped off this is a week where you actually can top them off Um, and this is something that like a lot of people think that you know this is something that you do the breakfast before the race or Sometimes the night before, but it's actually something that you can work on several days before. You know, so a couple of days before the race, just eat a lot of rice and beans and pasta and bread and. Um, so that starts a couple of days before. The, like this comes out on
0: Sunday, races on Saturday. Start doing this on t- on I, Thursday.
1: I do. I'd st- usually start doing it on Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday. You know, and if you do any hard workouts like. Um, this week, just make sure you follow it up with with some eating some carbs, taking in some carbs and so if you say some, replenish your glycogen,
0: that means eat some carbs.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um Yeah, and like and especially too like, you know, if you do like a like a workout Friday night, you want to have some food ready to eat right after you do that workout. But replacing your glycogen stores is probably one of the biggest probably the biggest thing you can do this week to help ensure a good race result on Saturday. One thing I might point out too is that, you know, I know a lot of kids that kinda of struggle with eating breakfast the morning of the race. I really think that that breakfast is just kinda of topping things off. You shouldn't stress out and, and pig out too much at that breakfast. Most of this work should be done, you know, the day or two before. And so, you know, breakfast you're just kinda of topping it off so you're eating a comfortable amount. You're not making yourself sick. Because
0: um, I'd always just kind of subconsciously eat way more for breakfast that morning on Saturday morning than I would on a normal day.
1: And if you can do that, that's great. Okay. But a lot of people can't.
0: Well, it, I it, I think it bugged me more than I realized at the time. So like that's not something you would like really push to do is like stuff yourself that morning. Just Yeah, I wouldn't like, stuff
1: yourself, you know, eat a good amount. Um, but but like I say, a lot of that replacing glycogen happens a day or two before and then breakfast should just be topping it off with a comfortable amount enough that you're going to have the fuel that you need and, and obviously eat as much as you can but don't don't make yourself sick
0: okay okay yeah. so that makes sense top off your glycogen that'll have a big impact yeah okay makes enough sense
1: so that that's a huge one um, and then you know the other, the other important thing this week is to maintain your intensity so the purpose of the taper week is to gain freshness and you gain that freshness by reducing the duration of your workouts, um, and taking recovery days as needed. Um, but maintaining your, your intensity is super important because the, the type of fitness, that high intensity exercise gives you is critical for doing well in your races. Um, but as we've mentioned before, it's gained quickly and it's also lost quickly. And so that's the that's probably the the, the main thing we're going to kind of dive into today is is talking about specific high intensity race fitness. But then stay tuned because there's something really important I want to talk to at the end, talk about at the end that I think is going to be a huge help too. Are we so, doing a hook to make sure people stick around? Yeah, in case this gets boring. So. OK. All right. So hopefully nobody knows that the skip button's a thing and we'll just move on from there okay so i I just wanted to talk about these these adaptations to high intensity training and and how they can be beneficial and why it's important that we maintain them this week and the way we maintain them during a taper week is we we keep the intensity high but you might cut back a set or two or an effort or two just so you finish them feeling stimulated but not destroyed um and when you say stimulated, but not destroyed, like how, what does that feel like? It feels like you could do one or two more, but you don't. Okay, so uh, you feel like you've done some work, but you could do more. Exactly. And in, in fact, I think, um, a good, a good rule of thumb is to quit while you still want more. Like you almost want to go do one more effort, but you're like, no, I think I'm good. I think.
0: And, and what would, what's an effort you'd prescribe for this week? Like, are we talking I, a minute sprint, a 20 minute threshold kind of effort? No,
1: these, these would be, these would be pretty short and really intense. Um, and I, and I could go into explaining why that would make a really good podcast. Why, but um, typically the higher, the intensity, the quicker we we make gains from those types of workouts. So this would be a really good time to focus on on higher intensity, like like even almost sprint level intensity. A lot of times I'll either recommend like one minute efforts or or super short micro interval type 30
0: by 30s or. So if you're a NICA coach listening to this, would you maybe recommend doing some practice race starts, having a bunch of people line up together and then do the really hard first minute of that race as a simulation to practice the clipping in and everything too, or? You know, that depends. That's more of a
1: sprint type workout, but yeah, that would probably be good. Um, So we're not talking, we're talking a little longer than a sprint? Well, what makes a sprint workout a sprint workout versus not is the amount of rest you have between the, the efforts. Um, so usually when I, when I do the, the, the minute efforts or the even 45 second efforts, there's not a whole lot of rest from them so they remain more aerobic rather than 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 a sprint type effort but but yeah so like but shorter higher intensity intervals you know 45 seconds to a minute or 30 by 30s or tabata type intervals are really good right now because you know if, if you are going to get gains from intervals typically the shorter more high intensity ones are going to get you quicker gains, but, but that's not really the point of these. You're really, I mean, you kind of, right now you're, you're showing up at the race with the fitness that you have. And during this week, you're just trying to, to maintain it and have it available. So your body's primed and, and ready to use it. Um, If you take the week off or do like a total recovery week, you get kind of rusty and, and lose some of that top end race form. So first of all, I just wanted to talk really quickly about some of these these adaptations we make from high intensity. Um, the first one's blood volume. That's you know our you know when you when you start doing hard workouts, within a week or two your blood volume changes, um, and and that gives you like a, a pretty big advantage when um, you, you'll notice some improvements when as those as that level raises and lowers.
0: Is a largely scientifically illiterate. Layperson, I want to say blood volume. Does that mean there is more blood in your body than there was before, or a specific component
1: of your blood? Yeah, I think so. Initially, your blood plasma increases by, I want to say around five percent, four or five percent. Don't check us on these numbers. And then, um, and then as you continue to work, your um, your red blood cell count improves as well as hemoglobin. So you're,
0: But is it like the actual amount of blood mm-hmm. in your body yes. is changing?
1: Yeah, it'll actually make you heavier. Re- really, yeah. like you could measure the difference yeah, so interesting um but that's that's one thing and that happens within like a week or two of of intense training and it also can can change quickly when you start to detrain so that's the first one um, the the next one's aMPK which is a pathway that kind of um, regulates cellular metabolism and increases mitochondria that's another um, adaptation from high intensity um but the one we want to talk about today that we might dive a little deeper into are are some they're they're kind of referred to as like biochemical adaptations um so have you have you heard of like fight or flight yeah like essentially the
0: idea that like um when when there's some kind of danger presented or some challenge you either like you get a rush of adrenaline to like you know Punch the mugger, or you run away. Right? Yeah. That's the kind of idea, right?
1: I remember one time when I was a kid, I got chased by a dog, and I was running towards a fence, and I just jumped over it. It was a pretty big fence. I jumped over it, and I didn't even think about it. I just did it, and it's something I couldn't have done otherwise, you know? And you've heard of mothers that have lifted a 3,000-pound car off a kid or something that, you know, it, it's pretty amazing, actually, what these these chemicals can do. So in the start line of states, Dan's going to pull a knife, and... <laughs> start chasing you yeah and but the thing is is we've kind of been designed and evolved to to do that when we're faced with danger um but when you're in a bike race or or when you're doing like hard training your body really doesn't know the difference i mean in terms of like your muscles and and so forth. It doesn't really know that you're like when you're sprinting off the line at an icarace, if your legs had a brain, they'd be like, Oh, we could
0: either be starting an icarace or running from a bear. Like there's no meaningful difference to me, you know, right. That's what
1: you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And so, so this fight or flight response, um, it, it triggers a group of, um, of chemicals that are, that are, that are called neurotransmitters. And this group of neurotransmitters are called catecholamines. And so, so back up really quick, so when you say neurotransmitters,
0: so I, am a, I understand the brain as being, as basically being a piece of meat full of electricity, right? And you send different electrical impulses to, to make your muscles do things. Is this
1: the wires? Yeah, okay, that's, a, yeah, so in our brain we have Two neurons. Two people with business <laughs> degrees discuss physiology. No, so, so in our brains we have neurons, and the okay. neurotransmitters are almost like, like, I think of them as like... Um, the thought. No, so neuro, neuro, they're basically. I love like you the had to point to the cable in my computer
0: because you thought I wouldn't know what a cable looks like. <laughs> like they're they're like snakes,
1: but little USB in a new cables. It's kind of like the USB. It's the connection between other neurons, and, you know. And there's, but there's different kinds of USB cables, right? Right. Okay. Okay. So that's All right.
0: You stuck the landing. Congratulations! I just then. forgot the
1: USB term. What the USB term. <laughs> you're aging so badly. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's basically what neurotransmitters are. Okay. It's, it kind of bridges the gap between neurons. But <clears throat> okay, um, you caught me off guard. No, so
0: you just about we're doing a podcast. What do you mean? I caught you off guard. The whole that's <laughs> the whole point. Why am I here? <laughs> So no, but I am curious. Like, so like, why 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 should I care that my neurotransmitters are improved? Like, what? How does that actually make me faster? It it's, it makes a huge difference.
1: I, I so but how? Well, so there's so out of the catecholamines, these these are the flight fight or flight chemicals that you know when when we're we're presented with danger, our hypothalamus triggers the pituitary gland to send messages to send these chemicals out into our body. And um, there's three main ones. The, the first one's adrenaline, and there's noradrenaline, and then there's dopamine. So we're gonna talk about about these three. Now, adrenaline, it, it's also called epinephrine, and noradrenaline, and it's also called uh, norepinephrine. They're very similar uh, they're kind of created in slightly different parts of the body. Is that what's in an EpiPen epinephrine? Well, and, and it's also used to like for heart patients and so forth. I think epinephrine's more To of like a, make your heart
0: beat better, better, better.
1: <laughs> if you're dying. Yeah. <laughs> Got so rejected
0: from med school guys.
1: That's not even true. <laughs> I didn't even apply to med school. Um, so yeah, so adrenaline, it, it gives us like, it's, so it's produced by the adrenal gland. Um, and when adrenaline's secreted into our system, what, it does some really interesting things to us. So the first one is it helps us focus, like it sharpens our focus. You know, like when you're like racing and people can be like shouting your name, if you're just kinda in the zone, you won't hear it. You know, it sharpens some senses and dulls others as needed. You know, so a lot of times it'll sharpen your eyesight but dull your hearing because your hearing is not as important in that moment.
0: Like I'm driving my car on an icy road listening to a calculus lecture and all of a sudden I start sliding. I'm going to start paying more attention to correcting my slide than listening to that. I'll I'll miss that 10 seconds of the calculus lecture. Is that the same... Absolutely, yeah. Because everybody's been on an icy road listening to a calculus lecture. That's like that's a, it was like, a really good example, that's, Joe. That's that, just a ubiquitous <laughs> human experience right there. We've all been. That hit home.
1: You know when you're on an icy road listening to a calculus lecture and you start to slide? But yeah, so, so it sharpens our senses. Um, it increases our heart rate, which makes it so more blood's pumping through our body. And it dilates blood vessels, but not all blood vessels. It dilates blood vessels to like necessary muscles that are going to help you move. Fast. Like for instance, like it kind of will sometimes shut down blood supply to your stomach, but it's going to increase blood supply to your legs to help you run away from the bear faster. Oh, so is, so is this why
0: people kind of struggle with like on the
1: bike nutrition? Exactly. Yeah. Cause oh, naturally no. your body isn't sending as much blood to your stomach cause it needs it in other places more. So that's why it's, it, it takes a lot of practice to be able to eat on the bike because naturally your blood is being sent to, the muscles to keep them going.
0: So. Huh. The more you know. Sorry, carry on. I keep derailing you. This is my fault.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So, adrenaline is huge and it can make an enormous improvement in your athletic performance. There's, there's something called the sports adrenal medulla and that's, that's a phenomenon that, like, um, aerobically trained, well-trained athletes are actually more um, sensitive to adrenaline responses. Okay. So and, the more fit you are, the bigger, so like basically the more base fitness you have, the more responsive you're going to be to, to adrenaline in your system during, during sporting events.
0: And to tie this all back around, cause I've, I've taken this in so many different directions. You're saying that this high intensity work is going to increase the amount of adrenaline or what's, what's the connection here? and with the neurotransmitters to help tie this all together and paint a picture for me, because we just went over a ton of stuff.
1: Yeah, so when you do high-intensity training, it increases the amount of adrenaline or noradrenaline or epinephrine or whatever in your bloodstream. Got and it. it's going to greatly improve, you know, it dilates your blood vessels. It greatly improves your, your athletic performance. And high-intensity training does this faster than low-intensity training. Okay. A- another chemical that gets released is endorphins. Okay. And you feel-good chemicals, right? Yeah, they well, they're actually painkillers. Oh. Yeah, they and and the, the purpose of them like if if you're running from a bear, your body doesn't want you to worry about how how much pain you're in. It wants you to keep running from the bear. And so when you're well trained, it releases these endorphins which masks some of the pain you're experiencing. And and so you can perform better.
0: And maybe not does it is it just that it masks the pain, or is that like it uh allows you to hurt more but less because you have endorphins. Yes, Joe, it masks <laughs> no. the pain. Gosh, is this what it's like to feel dumb? Um <laughs> have you should have told me it was this rough. No. No, but like, like basically it means like in effectively on the bike, it means you're going to be able to go harder than you Absolutely. would be able to. Okay. There yeah, we you, go.
1: Yeah. You, you'll be able to push, like if you don't have endorphins in your system, it's going to be a lot more painful and you're not going to push as hard. Okay. But if you have these in, in the, these endorphins in your system, you're going to be able to push past what's painful. Okay. That's what I was trying to ask. It's, yeah. Gosh. And, and that is, that's actually a huge, a huge advantage. And, um, Endorphins are usually responsible for what's referred to as runner's high, but um, but as I mentioned earlier, well-trained athletes are, have better access to this than than non-well-trained. Like for instance, like you or I, if we went out running, we would not experience a runner's high. We'd experience something exactly the opposite. But a well-trained runner, you know, has a good enough base fitness that they could experience a runner's high. So. It's something that that training improves, but high intensity training um, is going to increase the amount of endorphins that you have in your system. So, so another potentially dumb question: like, should you be doing this before every
0: single race, or is it just you're saying do this high intensity work now because we're not concerned about the rest of this? This is the end of this. Is this like? something that you should be doing between the second and third Nike races or? No.
1: So when you start doing, when you start doing your high intensity training, it starts to increase the amount of these chemicals in your bloodstream. And it also improves your ability to create them too. When you're doing that type of training, because it kind of creates a need for them. And so, <clears throat> You know, and so during, during the, you know, kind of during your building period, that's, that's w- one of the main reasons you, you become faster during this period is because you get more and more of these chemicals in your system.
0: Okay. But like, so should you have a different approach, I guess, to high intensity work in the week before your last race of the season? or Not really. Is this, is this no, something this is, you should adopt before, in, in the yeah. week before any race? Yeah,
1: this You know, you start experiencing this when you kind of start focusing on race intensity during your build. It's something, though, that you want to maintain during your during your peak week so that you don't lose these before, um, you know, before you have your final race. Um, This is this is the reason and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. This is the reason why recovery weeks are so important, because you really can't maintain these chemicals in your body for a long period of time. In the short run, they're a huge help, huge asset. If if you try to maintain these extra chemicals in your body over a long period of time, it leads to chronic stress, which leads to burnout and overtraining. And so that's why during your recovery weeks, you don't do any intensity and you try to lose some of these chemicals and so that you come out of your recovery week kinda of feeling like crap. During your taper you want to maintain these chemicals in your body. Okay, um, alright, that makes sense. Yeah, so, but anyhow, um, so so the next one, so we've kinda, we've talked about like adrenaline and, and, and endorphins. The next one is dopamine and so dopamine is it's really responsible for our motivation levels. Now this is a sport that is super important to have high motivation in. Um, so dopamine, it's, it's created in our brain and a lot of times it's, um, it's kind of considered like the, the reward home hormone. And it was kind of designed and evolved to reward us for doing things that are hard. Now, now today there's a lot of like artificial ways to get dopamine hits and and some of them, some of the the real artificial ways give us almost too big of a dopamine hit. Like is it, don't a lot of drugs give you a dopamine hit? Oh, absolutely. Like drugs, alcohol, pornography, um, you know, for some people even like social media and so forth gives like constant dopamine hits. And some of these artificial hits are like they're so we we get them so easily that our body doesn't want to go running to get that hit. It'll just, you know, do other things that are easier to give it an even bigger hit, which causes your body to downregulate your levels of dopamine. And and this is why, like, you really couldn't be a pothead and be a cross country mountain bike racer you know you, you need to be more sensitive to to dopamine and get it through you know get your dopamine hits through harder methods like exercising and and training rather than some of the artificial easier ways um, but but dopamine super important because because motivation such an important part of the sport so, so yeah so that's the that's the the third catecholamine there's some other chemicals that, that are worth mentioning, too. Like serotonin is, is the feel-good hormone. Um, you know, going, going back to endorphins, um, one really good way to, to help increase endorphin levels is, is actually laughter. Oh, really? Absolutely. Like if, if you can figure out a way before your bike race to laugh or to do something that makes you laugh, that's going to increase your endorphins before the race, which is only going to help you Um, like,
0: like in a measurable way. Like this isn't like some cute little like gimmick. Oh, absolutely. I think it's important to It's like, listen to this podcast right before the race. And like, are we funny enough or something funnier than this? No,
1: we're not funny enough.
0: Something funnier than this. Okay. Yeah.
1: You're going to have to hang out with someone funny. Um, you know, testosterone also increases during this. Um, which Zach, is a, Zach Polly and
0: I need to hang out before
1: this, make each other laugh a little bit. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And so so we've kind of gone over some of these these hormones and chemicals that that help improve imp- performance. And have you ever had like a bike ride or a race or something where you just you just feel really, really good that day? And like you feel like you're just doing kind of unusually good. You're pushing hard and it doesn't hurt. Have you ever had that experience?
0: Very rarely, but yeah. No, and, and that's <laughs> yeah. true. It doesn't
1: happen all the time. You know, um, and and sometimes you can, like, it's not like your your fitness has gra- drastically changed from one day to the other. It's a lot of times just a matter of, you know, how much, how many endorphins you have in your bloodstream at, at a certain time or, uh, you know, or, or, so these, these chemicals are actually super, super important, but they're they're really beneficial in the short term but like we we mentioned earlier they can they can actually cause a lot of problems to have them chronically in your system and that's why recovery weeks are just essential to clear these out you don't you don't want like like people that are just chronically stressed it leads leads to really bad health outcomes um increases cortisol which which causes you to gain weight and lose muscle um and, and this is why the that taking, you know, a week, a minimum week, two weeks is probably better off at the end of the season is is so critical just to prevent chronic overtraining.
0: So just the lack of stress causes these hormones, these catecholamines to leave your system or to become dormant in your system? They get system? digested,
1: basically. And, oh, really? Okay. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and they need to, and, and also, like, some of the long-term adaptations don't happen as well while these are present. And so it really is important to have a training structure that isn't high intensity all the time, that you're, that you're distributing your intensity so that you, know, that you can get some of the benefits while you have these chemicals on board, but you can clear them out and gain some of the, the benefits when they're not present and and that's why just distributing intensity and in recovery is just super super critical
0: and again just to tie back these what what connection did these have to the neurotransmitters again or am i jumping they are
1: neurotransmitters so those are these are these chemicals are neurotransmitters okay well some are neurotransmitters and others are chemicals like um the catecholamines like the adrenaline and dopamine are neurotransmitters and 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 um and serotonin is a hormone. Um, the endorphins are more like a chemical, um, the, the painkillers, but yeah, they're all kind of in the same class. Okay. And they, um, Yeah, but yeah, super beneficial and, and hopefully they're flowing and, and helping you out the day of race. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not as much, but that's why we maintain intensity during the week before a race, um, a, enough to, to kind of keep these chemicals in your system but not enough to do any additional damage, which would require recovery. So
0: yeah. Okay. That makes enough sense. So this week, basically the whole last 30 minutes have been saying like, do some intensity this week. Yeah.
1: Do a little bit, a little bit, little just to keep the juices flowing, keep the pump prime, keep your blood
0: volumes up. And so could, could you prescribe a workout maybe for an individual and then for a NICA coach this week? Like what you think would be the ideal kind of like lead up week for, um,
1: uh, you know for like uh, states you know I would try to get uh, two possibly three including openers in this week that have some intensity uh, you know usually a minute to 45 seconds is, is a good duration that, that's really hard and about 8 to 10 efforts would be good um, just finish them while you're still feeling good and yeah no, I just wanted to change gears a little bit um, this is something that I, I think could also be really helpful too, because I know, I mean, these races are really stressful for a lot of kids and and that probably was a huge understatement, right? Oh um, yeah. I mean, for me, it was too stressful, mm-hmm. like,
0: like in an unproductive way. And I'm, I'm probably an outlier, but like, this is, it's, it's an enormous amount of pressure that you feel, especially if it's like your last year, you know,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and there's energy that can move us forward. And there's also energy that can hold us back, and it's it's critical that that we are aroused when we when we go to perform at our best. But you have to have the appropriate level of arousal. And I would say a good example of this is like: have you ever changed a tire during the middle of a race?
0: Or no, I, I no. Okay. No, I think if I ever, I've, I've punctured in a race and I just, I just, I just pulled out, which is that was a bad example. That was a bad example. I'm so sorry to
1: like throw you <laughs> off here. Yes. So yeah, I've totally changed the tire in a race. Yeah. No, but okay. So I have. Okay. And I'm pretty good at changing tires. Okay. Right. But if I have to do it during a race, I'm terrible. Like, have you ever had a mechanical during a race and you're trying to fix it during a race and you're just like do, trying to do it so fast Dropping and just the tool panicky, and, everything and, and if you would just calm down. And take a deep breath. And like you
0: can do your job until your boss starts looking over your shoulder, and then all of a sudden you can't do your job. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. You know, you're just arousal levels too high, you know. Um, and, but you, it can be too low too. I mean, there's, there's, there's also people that just don't care and it's just not a big deal. And, you know, you just have to find that, that right level. Um, and so if you're feeling, anxious this week and, and, and start to get a little bit stressed about the the, the, the race. I've, I've got some things that I think you could think about which could create some energy that will help you move forward and and get rid of some of that energy that might be holding you back. And these are just things that, that you can think of that might put your, your mind in a better place. The first one is think back to your first ride ever. As, as maybe as a as a high school rider, as a junior diva or something, just think back to that and think of how far you've come. You know, think about the bike you were on and the equipment that you had and the type of trails that you could and couldn't do. And, and just think of how far you've come and, and how much you've improved. That's the first one. The other one, the next one is think about your parents and all the love and support and the, the places they've driven you and the, the races they've come to watch you at, the bikes they've taken to the shop to fix for you. You know, just think of of all the things that they've they've done for you to help you out and to, to get you where you want to be. And, and while we're on the subject of parents, let me just point out that no matter how good or bad your race goes, I promise that your parents are going to keep loving you.
0: Did did you even when my races started going bad?
1: <laughs> I can tell you a story about that, but okay, but no, of course I did, Joe. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> all right, so the next thing that I want you to think about is think about all the people that you know and all the friends that you've made that you wouldn't otherwise if if it hadn't been for your cycling for your riding. This is true.
0: Like I was thinking about this the other day. All of, almost all of the my, my closest friends are people I met somehow through cycling.
1: And, and mine too. You know, it's... Is that it's, sad or cool?
0: I, I can't decide. <laughs>
1: we'll go with cool. We'll go with cool. And the next thing to think about is just how lucky and blessed we are to have bodies that can do this sport. This really is the hardest and most athletic sport that you could have chosen to do as a high schooler. It's an incredibly hard sport. And it's something that just someone off the street couldn't just hop on a bike and, and make it around some of these courses that you guys race around, yet do it at the the times that you're able to do them at. And it's it's an incredibly hard sport. And to have a body that can do that is... Just remarkable. Just super, super cool to think about. Just think of all the races. And this is the next one. Just think of all the races that you've you've completed and finished. I mean, you've got a lot of experience. It's something you've done multiple times. And you're actually getting quite good at it. Um, the next one to think about, just think about what a cool area we live in. You know how, like on a Thursday afternoon, we could do something that people only get to do like once or twice a year.
0: If that, if ever.
1: If ever. You know, we, on a a typical Tuesday and Thursday, we get to do things that are cooler than most people ever really get to do in a lifetime. And we get to do it regularly. And there's just, I mean, we live in a place where there's just so many awesome trails, so many options, I know a lot of people like they have like one little area that they can go to and that's the basically the only place that has trails for hundreds of miles and they just have to ride those trails over and over and over again and we just have so many awesome choices to choose from. And the last one, you know, if if you're anxious and stressed out, just just think about all the cool places your bikes have taken you and all the fun times that you've had and you know, and, and it's just so cool to just think of of all the great places we've been and the fun things that we get to do and the fun people we get to do them with. So, you know, um, leading up to this, uh, you, you know, you've, you've all put in the work, you've, you've done the time, no matter how it goes, as long as you're out there just giving your absolute best effort you deserve to finish the race happy. You know, we can't really control what place you get, but the one thing you can control is the amount of heart and soul you put into your race. And if you go out there and just give it your best, just just do, dig deep, no matter where you end up, you deserve to be happy about that.
0: And and I'd, I'd like to follow that up by saying, <clears throat> if you're listening to this and you were a senior and this is your last high school race, I distinctly remember my last state championships in St. George at the old course. Um, and at the time, it kind of felt like something was ending for me, that this was the end of this high school riding career and that there's all this uncertainty with your your education and your career and, 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 and um, all these other things that are going to be changing in your life. Um, but looking back, it really was a, a beginning. And I'd, I'd say that like, no matter how you feel about this season, no matter how you do on Saturday, the important thing and the thing that we actually care about is what happens next. And, and I was looking back the other day at all of the kids who raced um, uh, state championships with me in my final year. We were all one league back then. Um, and I was really disappointed to see that it was a minority of us who are still actively riding regularly. You know what? How, how far? That was 2016? 2016 was my last year, you know, so it's been, I mean, we're getting on a decade here and, um, you know, no matter how Saturday goes, I think the important thing is that you take whatever lessons you learned this year and whatever experiences you had this year and let them motivate you to ride bikes for the rest of your life. That's the goal. Like we don't care. We genuinely don't care how you do on Saturday. If you win, cool. If you have, if you have a flat and you still manage to finish, whatever cool stories come out of Saturday, Pale in comparison to what cycling does for your life and your existence over the rest of your life, and like if you're going to go to med school or go on an LDS mission and you need to drop cycling for a while, that's fine. Um, But like as soon as you can, get back on the bike. You know, like let this be something where where no matter how crappy your job is and how much you hate it every day, no matter what sort of relationships you have, no matter where you live, you have a bike ride at the end of the day to look forward to, or at the beginning of the day to look forward to, and that it's something that can positively influence your life. That's what I care about. If you, if you finish seventh f- versus 10th on Saturday, I'll give you a high five. Um, but like, it doesn't matter to me. Like the whole point of this team when we conceived it was that people would continue writing. So if you are a senior and you are listening to this, do whatever it takes to stay on the bike, because I promise, even though it's hard, your life will be infinitely better for it.
1: Absolutely. And, and as an old guy, I can just say that you know when I went, when I was young and I rode my bike, it was fun. But the longer I do it and the older I get, the more fun it is. It's truly a lifetime sport, and we're really hoping for future you know Drew Freese and Bart Gillespies and John and Amy more, Larkins, and yeah, more people Dana's like that who and, are,
0: yeah, fewer use you know fewer like, <laughs> yeah you know. But it, it's cool like this. This sport's a cool thing. It's because it's 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 a sport, but and I guess any sports like this, it's like a it's like an art form. It's, it's something that you're um, it's like a skill you're perfecting, you know? And like, no matter how good you are right now, you know, if you're Pace and Norman listening to this, right. I don't think he listens to this, but if you are, and you're like, you had a pretty unimpeachable season where like everything went right. You can get better, you know? And like, if, if, you, if your season sucked, you can get better, you know, you will get better. If you keep doing this, you're going to get better, you know? And I admire people who are like, artists on the bike almost. People who are whether or not they race is kind of irrelevant because like when you watch him ride it like my little brother Jacob's a good example of this. Doesn't really race anymore, but like he rides a bike so well and he's capable of doing such cool things on the bike. Like that to me, I think racing is great. I don't think it's for everybody. Like I haven't done a ton of racing this year. I do a little bit. Um, but whether or not you race, like ride a lot. Just ride figure out a way,
1: set up your life so that you can ride a lot. Absolutely. So yeah, so Saturday, just dig deep, give it your all, and and finish the race happy.
0: Yeah, I'm. This is I've I've had a lot of stuff going on this season. I haven't been able to go to a lot of the races. Um, I will be there on Saturday, and I am. I'm looking forward to it so much. You guys have no idea.
1: The celebrity appearance. Like. I know,
0: right? You know, yeah. I'll, I'll be doing a book signing. <laughs> um, yeah, sell my bathwater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah thanks for a great season everybody i'm already looking forward to to setting up maybird next year i've had a bunch of my riders this year reach out wanting to be coaches and stuff um if, if you're and again if you're a senior we could we still want we want to see you as much or more you know like don't let the absence of high school riding ruin your cycling career that's that's honestly kind of what maybird was originally intended for you know is to pick it up this so like if you're a senior and you're listening to this, keep writing. We want to have uh, ideally a whole group of like, I, I don't know if that like how what that'll look like, but we want to have a, a much bigger contingency of like post high school riders. So absolutely. Um, it, it just
1: keeps getting funner, so stick with it. and yeah,
0: hundred percent stick with you've, it
1: you've 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 gained like you've completely changed your bodies and you've you've gained some awesome 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 fitness that you don't want to completely lose. and yeah, so
0: yeah all right. Good stuff. We're going to end it there, folks. I look forward to Saturday. And as always, if you have any questions, you know where to send them.